Before we get started, before any of this starts, I'd like to remind you that you can experience an ad-free version of this by clicking the link in the description that says plus.acast.com slash s slash Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Exurgat Deus disipentur de nemici eius, et fugiancio derunt eum afacia eius. Let God arise, and let his enemies be scattered, and let all those who hate him flee from before his face. So, when I'm, uh, oftentimes when I'm doing these podcasts, and I'm talking about the degeneracy that a lot of the people <clears throat> that we're talking about, the people in charge... It gets exhaustive, and it's, I don't know how to describe it. Um, I feel defiled by having to describe some of the stuff that they, get, that they do. And so I'm going to scoop them all into one Latin word. And it'll generally be the one word that I use for all of them. And that word, using the classical pronunciation, is skeleratus. The ecclesiastical pronunciation is sceleratus. I'm going to use the classical pronunciation. As you know, I'm preferential to the classical pronunciation because it's easier. Um, when you're actually reading these words, it actually gets easier if you don't have to, if your brain's not changing how you pronounce every letter. That comes up, you know, so the diphthong of A-E that we normally like in, well, for the for the ecclesial Latin, Chaley, you know, you know that I will tend to say Kylie rather than, rather than Chaley. And part of that is because a lot, oftentimes it's written, the way it's written, it's not written like with the diphthong where it's the A and the E merged together. Usually it's an A and an E. And so I just pronounce the two letters rapidly the way the way they were in the classical Latin. Um, likewise, the G sound typically is used with the with the soft G J, like virgin. And I'll usually just go to Virgin. Um, mostly because while the G sound is is the technically hard G, it just sounds softer, smoother. 
It's a lot of what that's a lot of what actually motivates the way I pronounce the Latin in the prayers. There's only there are very few times, um, you know, where something sounds vulgar in the English, and so I'll change it. And one of those words is like faciam. <clears throat> when it, uh, when I say Lord, show us your face, and we shall be saved. Domine ostenda nobis faciam. It salviarimus. I'll usually say facium simply because it doesn't sound like the F-bomb. <clears throat> but for the most part, I stick with the ecclesial Latin pronunciation, or excuse me, with the classical Latin pronunciation of the ecclesial because I just like the way it sounds better. It's a personal preference. <clears throat> and classical Latin, well, anyway, yeah, there's some other stuff that goes into it too, but it's mostly, it's a personal, it's a personal preference for the way it sounds. So you'll hear me say the word skeleratus. And the reason why I'm using the word skeleratus is because typically the word means criminal, vicious, impious, and wicked. But skelero, the verb, or skelerere, means to defile or to pollute. Which I think is much more in there. Because the other word, and actually it's, it's weird because some in, in the dictionary that I, when I first learned the word skeleratus was, it actually said accursed. And all of those definitions apply to the degeneracy of the LGBT, the, satan the satanic cults, the, the QAnon synopsis of all of the, of all of the people who are in charge, who are in charge of the world are satanic, pedo, child killing, murderer, like just evil people, right? And when you go through the descriptive of all of the crimes that they're that they're prone to, I just feel dirty. So for the most part, in the future, I'm going to begin to use the word skeleratus or skelerata. If it happens specific, if I know for a fact I'm talking about a woman, I'll say skelerata. But for the most part, it'll be skeleratus and skelerati. Because skeleratus is singular and skelerati is plural, and since I'm speaking in mostly English and I just drop in the word, the actual proper declension isn't as important because you'll know what I'm talking about anyway. Because I'm just tired of going through the descriptions of all of the wickedness and the evil. We know they're wicked, we know they're evil, we know they're degenerate, we know they're liars, we know they are everything that they believe that Christians and Catholics and traditional and traditional Christians and, and <clears throat> traditional traditionally minded Catholics are. You know. <clears throat> they are everything that they accuse us of being, and rather than describing all of the evils that they're going to do, I'm simply when I refer to them, I'm gonna say skeletati if it's more than one, and skeleratus if it's one, if it's one, if I'm talking about one person. <clears throat> and if I know it's one person and it's a female, then I'll say skeletata. But the fact is, is I'm, I feel like I should be done polluting the airwaves with what these people do. 
So now that I've taken six and a half minutes to introduce exactly what's going on here, I'm also go I'm going to start talking about some stories that are from the perspective of various Skelerati, because they're Bolsheviks and they're communists. And what they say, their opinions on it are stupid because Bolsheviks are generally led around by their libido and communists are generally led around by their libido. Just like libertarians, generally led around by their libido, self-discipline and self-mortification is not in them. And so in general, without getting into the weeds about the specific degeneracies that these people are, are engaged in, I'm simply going to refer to them as Skelerati. That's it. What I find is the more we try to make up words or come up with words that really truly encompass the wickedness of a person, chances are if you look in the Latin, you're going to find one. You're going to find a word that actually says what you want. And given the fact that 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 the <clears throat> that the uh, passive participle of the verb skeleto is to pollute and defile, so a person who is skeleratus is polluted, they are defiled, they are criminal, vicious, impious, wicked, cursed. I don't have to get into all the details. I can simply name them for what they are. And if you'll come along with me on that one, we'll just use that word and life will be easy. And we won't have to actually dig down into the weeds. Again, like I said, now that we've done, now that we've done the lesson of a particular word that we're going to start using to just generally categorize everybody who's pretty much lost, <clears throat> like deeply lost. We're not talking like, oh, they're losing. We're not talking like some Catholic who's losing his way because he's going off the rails on something. We're talking about people who deeply need repentance, who deeply need to understand that the path that they're he heading down is a path to death, mayhem, and destruction. It is the path of the Skeleratus. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. Let's get started with a prayer. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Sancta Michael Arcangela, defende nos proelio, contra nequitiam et insidias diaboli est opraesidium. Imperatili deus suplicis de precamur, tuque princeps militae calestis satra malios que spiritus malignos, qui ad perditionum animarum pervegantur in mundo, divina virtute in infernum detrude. Amen. Cor Iesu Sacratissimum miserere nobis, Mater Dolorosa, ora pro nobis, Beatus Carolus Domo Austriae, ora pro nobis. Domine, ostende facem tuum et salvi erimus, Ave Maria Purissima, Immaculata Conceptio Est. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. So why do we go through all that trouble defining that word? Well, because the news that I'm going to bring you is from the Bolshevik variety of Skelerati. But they're still actually talking about real things that are happening that don't get covered in, you know, the establishment cathedral. <clears throat> is what it is. I mean, it's, you, you find the news where you can get it. The headline from the World Socialist website is, New German Defense Minister Plans Major Escalation of NATO War with Russia. Now do you understand? <clears throat> the new German Minister of Defense will be the former Interior Minister of the State of Lower Saxony, Boris Pistorius, of the Social Democrats of the SPD. He succeeds Christine Lambrecht, who, who resigned from her post on Monday. A lot of people resigning lately. That's wild. 
<clears throat> According to media reports, Pistorius will be sworn in on Thursday in Berlin. The change at the top of the Ministry of Defense will initiate a massive escalation of German militarism and the NATO war in Ukraine against Russia. Before the next meeting of the so-called Ukraine Contact Group in Ramstein on January 20th, the NATO powers are preparing, among other things, the delivery of main battle tanks to Ukraine. Pistorius will meet with U.S. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin of Raytheon fame in Berlin the day before the contact group meeting, immediately after his inauguration. On January 6th, the German government, together with the United States, announced the delivery of Martyr and Bradley armored vehicles. These are Now, these are, let me sidebar here real quick. Martyr and Bradley armored vehicles, they are infantry combat vehicles. They're basically armored personnel carriers with bigger guns. So they can, so they sort of fill that niche between a tank and an armored minivan. Okay, armored church van. <laughs> the decision appears to already have been taken for Berlin to send Leopard 2 battle tanks. Leopard 2 is the second generation of their main battle tank, which was the Leopard. Um, the Leopard 2 battle tank is actually pretty close to being on par with the M1A2 or M1A1 Abrams. So these are fairly top-of-the-line battle tanks. These are very, very stout vehicles. 82 years after the Nazi War of Annihilation against the Soviet Union, which killed almost 30 million people, German tanks are again rolling against Russia. Can you see why I actually chose this website? It's because they actually some of the stuff they've managed to put in, like this is actually a really good tie-in. <clears throat> As Minister of Defense, Pistorius has the task of enforcing the war and rearmament plans against the enormous opposition against the enormous opposition in the population. At his announcement of Pistorius's appointment, Federal Chancellor Olaf Scholz, also of the SPD, stated, quote, Pistorius is an extremely experienced politician who has proven his administrative skills, has been involved in security policy for years, and with his competence, his assertiveness, and his big heart is exactly the right person to lead the Bundeswehr, the German army, through this epochal shift. This statement is unambiguous. Already under Lambrecht, the biggest rearmament program since Hitler was launched under the slogan Epochal Shift and a 100 billion euro special fund for the Bundeswehr was adopted. Lambrecht stated in public speeches that Germany had to become, quote, a military leader, close quote, Again, due to its size, its geographical location, and its economic strength. Ultimately, however, she was not deemed capable of achieving this goal. The task will now be taken over by Pistorius, who, as Interior Minister in Lower Saxony, has distinguished himself above all by an aggressive, quote, law and order, quote, uh, policy, and extreme right-wing agitation against refugees. Okay. <clears throat> So, obviously, this Scalerati website does not believe in the concepts of order, and anybody to the right of the extreme left is generally considered to be extreme right-wing. But in this particular case, since we're talking about their accusations on establishment politics, which seems to be wanting to throw us headlong into World War III, <clears throat> I don't mind actually 
quoting these guys because they're looking at it going, uh, no. Continuing from the article. His demands in the past included the establishment of concentration camps for refugees in Libya, deportations even back to war zones, the massive rearmament of the security forces, and the deployment of the Bundeswehr domestically. The media is celebrating him as a red general. The ruling class knows that the return of, the German, of German militarism, as in the past, also requires the return of authoritarianism and dictatorship. This is actually basically still true. Immediately after his appointment, Pistorius openly stated that Germany is a party to the war in Ukraine, which the German government has always denied. This is where we see the mask coming off. Quote, the Ministry of Defense is already a great challenge in civilian times, in peacetime. Close quote. Continuing, quote, and in times when one is involved in a war, as the Federal Republic of Germany, indirectly, even more so. Close quote. And this is all from Pistorius himself. He promised to make the Bundeswehr strong for the period that lies ahead. This is a tremendous task. The troops can count on me to stand in front of them whenever necessary. Unfortunately, that also does not include, that does not probably include in front of a firing squad, which is probably the better place for this guy to be. <clears throat> The World Scalarati website, excuse me, the World Socialist website, this is actually the article source, already explained in, in an article on Lambrecht's resignation how far-reaching the plans currently being worked out behind the backs of the population are. For example, the current Der Spiegel cover, uh, cover story citing leading military figures calls for a tripling of the Bundeswehr, and mind you, every time I say Bundeswehr, um, we're it's, that's literally the name of the, the title for the German army, Okay calls for a tripling of the Bundeswehr's special fund to 300 billion euro, an increase in the annual military budget to 120 billion euro, the introduction of a general staff and the elimination of civilian control over the Bundeswehr, the strengthening of the armaments industry, an increase in, in the number of troops, and the reactivation of conscription. Now let me put this more clearly. Because there was a lot on that list. This is one of the establishment media in Germany, Der Spiegel, calling for a tripling of the, of the military's budget, the special budget, to 300 billion euros, increasing the annual budget to 120 billion euros, introducing a general staff and eliminating civilian control over the military while also strengthening the armaments industry and increasing the number of troops and reactivating conscription. Does anybody think that this move is normal? Continuing. Other media and representatives of foreign policy think tanks are formulating similar goals and pressing for their rapid imp implementation. Shortly after Pistorius' appointment, the Frankfurter Allgemeine Zeitung, or the FAZ, published a guest contribution by Christian Molling, the deputy director of the DGAP think tank and head of the Center for Security and Defense. His 10 points for the new Minister of Defense pursues one goal, Germany's transformation into a strong war power. 
Despite the most threatening situation since the Cuban Missile Crisis, the Bundeswehr is in a desolate state, Mulling complained. The epochal shift was so far little more than lip service on a special mountain of debt. This, mind you, this is all Mulling who's, who's quote, being quoted here. Germany has lost a crucial year to modernize the Bundeswehr, he added. He went on to raise similar demands to Der Spiegel in order to get the epochal shift moving, to get the Bundeswehr back in shape in the long term, and also to support Ukraine. All of this requires the complete militarization of society. Mulling wrote, quote, If one considers the defense sector as a picture, it is important to think and describe defense as an ecosystem, not as mechanical pillars. This system is open at its edges and connected to many other areas of security and public life. The more closed the system is, the more it remains a specialized organization in life. What a ghastly, ghastly man. This is the old, deadly spirit of German militarism, articulated in modern think tank German. The military must penetrate all the pores of society. It must not remain a special organization in life. It is life. It is not merely these concepts that remind one of the darkest times in German history. The entire foreign policy is being conducted along similar lines as in the First and Second World Wars in the statement, quote, No tank deliveries to Ukraine stop the threat of a third world war, close quote. The Socialist Equity Party, SGP, and that's Socialist, Socialitish, whatever. It's it's long, lots of German extra vowels and consonants. But the Socialist Equity Party, the SGP, declared, quote, since you excuse me since reunification the ruling class has been systemically working to organize europe under german leadership in order to advance its geostrategic and economic interests worldwide now it's using russia's reactionary invasion of ukraine and make no mistake about it for whatever it is that you feel about what's going on in ukraine it is that those two words or actually that phrase Russia's reactionary invasion of Ukraine is the most perfect way to describe it because it was a response, a reaction. And if you don't believe that, dig deeper into politics, into global politics ever since the fall of the Soviet, quote-unquote, fall of the Soviet Union, and you will find that we have been provoking Russia slowly, surely, and steadily for 30 years. <clears throat> anyway, now it is continuing from continuing the quote. Now it is using Russia's reactionary invasion of Ukraine as, as a pretext to launch the biggest rearmament since Hitler and to strike again against Russia. German imperialism is concerned not only with geostrategic interests and Russia's vast reserves of raw materials, it is also driven by the desire for retribution for its war defeats in the 20th century. Now, I don't know about all that. I think that's a little hyperbolic. I think these people, I don't, I, like everybody, oh, like George W. Bush, the junior Bush, Bush 43, may have had a finish the job mentality about Iraq, but it wasn't vengeance. 
It wasn't getting back at what happened to his daddy. That's not true. It was pure, run-of-the-mill, statist corruption. It was lies, to be sure. But (laughs) there were a lot of people like, well, he was just wanted to finish up what his his dad started and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, shut up. I don't even think Bush 41 actually cared about anything other than whatever establishes greater uh, greater American hegemony. Uh, let's finish it off. Yeah, it, no, whatever. <clears throat> anyway, continuing from the article. The imperialist offensive increasingly raises the dangers of a direct war with a nuclear-armed power, Russia. The Bundeswehr is currently relocating Patriot missile systems to Poland. A total of three squadrons with 600 soldiers will be stationed in the neighboring country during the course of this week. At the Zamosh Freight Yard, the Patriots are to, quote, protect an important transshipment yard for Ukraine aid, close quote. And that's coming from Der Spiegel. At the station located 30 kilometers from the Polish-Ukrainian border, both relief supplies and military equipment will be loaded for Ukraine. The Air Force's task is to protect the station from possible uh, attacks from the air. In other words, the Bundeswehr will ensure that the planned tank deliveries reach the front safely. Germany is thus becoming an increasingly direct war party on the battlefield. The deputy head of the Security Council of the Russian Federation and former president of Russia, Dmitry Medvedev, has threatened to turn Western tanks into rusty scrap metal. He described NATO countries involved in the war as legitimate targets. Nevertheless, Berlin is recklessly driving the escalation. In his inaugural address, Pistorius should explain the consequences of this policy. How many millions of people does the ruling class intend to sacrifice this time to defeat Russia militarily and put their world power plans into action? What is the federal government scenario if the war escalates to a nuclear exchange? It's clear that even in a conventional war with Russia, millions of people across Europe would lose their lives. Now, for the thing that I agree with the most. It is high time to stop the war madness. This requires the building of an international mass movement against war and its cause. (laughs) Okay, we break off from here. Okay, that first sentence right there. It's high time to stop the war madness. I agree with that. Everything after this is Bolshevik Skelerati garbage. <clears throat> this, But I'm going to read it anyway, so this way you understand where they're coming from. Continuing from their article. This requires the building of an international mass movement against war and its cause, the capitalist system. Because these people know what capitalism is. Don't get me wrong. I'm not a capitalist, not in the fundamental sense of the word. I'm a Catholic, period, full stop. What everybody keeps talking about is being capitalism. I don't think is actually what is meant by capitalism. What is turning out to be the practice of capitalism may not necessarily match the actual meaning of whatever it is that they thought capitalism was supposed to be. But what I do know is that the current form of of the global economy is not Catholic. So whatever you want to call it, as long as it's not Catholic, I'm really not all that behind it. Anyway, 
The Socialist Equity Party, the SGP, is participating in the Berlin election to give a voice and a socialist perspective to the widespread op opposition to militarism and war. And this is actually something that most of us can kind of get on board with because most of us are not particularly eager to go running headlong into a nuclear freaking conflict. So while I think these people are people who are only led by their libido, that they're degenerate in every form of the word, that Bolsheviks in, in, in particular are some of the most heinous, degenerate, and defiled people on earth, the idea of not running headlong into a, into a nuclear war is in fact something that I can agree with them on. I don't want to go up in a ball of nuclear fire. I don't want children to be evaporated in a ball of nuclear fire. Whether or not cities get destroyed, I don't really care about the cities itself, but cities are more often than not full of people, and in all honesty, I don't want them vaporized in a ball of nuclear fire. Because it's going to take everybody, the good and the bad, the born and the unborn. The adult degenerate guided around by the guided around by their genitalia instead of their brain thinking that they're leading with their heart when really it's you know that it's the body parts below the belt that they're thinking with not particularly caring about the rights or duties or responsibilities not particularly capable of anything remotely resembling virtue or self-mortification they go just as just that they vaporize just as easily as the holy monk or the chaste nun or the innocent toddler. And I'm really not keen on rolling full speed into a nuclear conflict. I'm not really keen on running full speed into yet another world war. I'm done with that crap. It's old and it's over. And I don't really care what the cause is. Surely we can come to some other arrangement. Especially since the people who need most to be vaporized in a ball of nuclear fire are precisely the people who have bunkers to protect them from being vaporized in a ball of nuclear fire. So they are least likely to actually go, the, <clears throat> go in that freaking nuclear flame and most likely to manage to, you know, drive on stupidly with their continuously degenerate, immoral, and stupid plans. <clears throat> so yes, I have one thing in common with these Bolsheviks. One. This stuff is stupid. This, the idea, you know what? Rather than spending a whole lot of time with this, I actually have another story for you. Because there's more than one avenue of things, there's more than one set of items that are going on at the same time. This one, same website, and it's only because they have a whole bunch of these that's, that's here that I'm looking at, I'm just like, you know, let's... Let's just do the thing. Let's get the news out there. You make the decision. <clears throat> so, from the same Scalerati, 
The headline, U.S. likely to send long-range missiles to, to Ukraine. The, U- the United States, these United States, will, quote, likely announce that it is sending long-range missiles with a range of over 100 miles to Ukraine this week. U.S. officials told Politico. The weapon system, known as the ground launch small diameter bomb, is a rocket launch maneuverable glide bomb with double the range of the HIMARS missiles Washington has already provided. Seeming to confirm Politico's report, Ben Hodges, former commanding general of USUR, or U.S. Army Europe, wrote on Twitter, quote, GLSDB, ground launch small diameter bombs, will reduce sanctuary for Russians. Life is about to start getting very uncomfortable for the Russian Navy, Air Force, and ammunition and ammunition handlers on Crimea, along the land bridge, and hopefully soon for repair crews on Kerch Bridge. <sighs> Morons. Anyway. Hodges' statement implies the missiles would be used to attack the Crimean Peninsula. Because there's a great idea. The announcement would mark the repudiation of Biden's pledge in May that, quote, we are, not, <clears throat> we are not encouraging or enabling Ukraine to strike beyond its borders, close quote, and his declaration that, quote, we are not going to send Ukraine rocket systems that strike into Russia, close quote. The U.S. is expected to announce the weapon system alongside an additional 100 Stryker and Bradley Infantry fighting vehicles. Oh, my heavenly God. Let me put this in perspective. A Stryker company. is 12 strikers. A motorized infantry company is 12 strikers. A motorized infantry battalion is right around 50, a little less, but right around 50. It's typically three infantry companies and a headquarters element that may or, that may or may not be cross-loaded with other types of vehicles, but typically right about 50. So we're sending them enough striker infantry combat vehicles to field two full battalions and 50 Bradley infantry fighting vehicles Which is five, no, not five. Which is four companies. So another, so another battalion. Oh, oh Lord. Three battalions of combat vehicles in a $2.6 billion we- weapons package. My. God have mercy on Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The U.S. is expected to announce the weapon systems alongside an additional 100 Striker and 50 Bradley IFVs in a $2.6 billion weapons package, Politico and the Associated Press report. The announcement is expected to be made Friday at the meeting of the Imperial of, of at the meeting in in Berlin this Friday. Uh, the announcement. Let me just read from the article. These guys are idiots. You wrap the news in this in this sort of window dressing, and you just go, "Oh, shut up." Okay. Let me continue and try not to vomit in my mouth while I'm reading the rest of this article. The announcement is expected to be made Friday at the meeting of the imperialist powers funding, arming, and directing the Ukrainian military, which will be held at America's Rammstein Air Force Base in Germany. While details are still being worked out, Poland, the U.S., and Germany are expected to announce at the meeting the deployment of some combination of Challenger 2 and Leopard 2 main battle tanks, as well as hundreds of additional armored personnel characters, carriers. Excuse me. Challenger 2 and Leopard 2 main battle tanks are on par with Abrams. With Abrams tanks, like I said. So I mentioned the Challenger, like we mentioned in the last article, the Leopard 2 main battle tank. The Challenger 2 is on par with the Leopard 2, which is on par with the Abrams. Okay? These are, these are co-equal in power, range, and capability. The only thing is that the Abrams is actually physically faster, like it can move across the ground faster. But other than that, they're basically co-equal. 
as well as hundreds of additional armored personnel carriers. We believe the quote, quoting, and this is coming from, oh, America. We believe the provisions of modern tanks will significantly help and improve the Ukrainians' ability to fight where they are fighting now and fight more effectively going forward. National Security Council spokesperson John Kirby said Wednesday. What's really important at this point is providing Ukraine with armor capabilities and in particular maneuver armor capabilities, said an unnamed defense official, according to a DOD news report. Maneuver armor capabilities. These are fast moving weapon systems. The official continued, we're looking at modern mechanized armored capabilities, and that's why the focus on tanks and Germany is the key to that capability. The Pentagon claimed that the U.S. and its allies have already sent approximately 900 armored vehicles to Ukraine. Dear family, you, you heard the count. It's four vehicles per platoon. On average, three to five platoons per company. So if it's three platoons, then it's 12 vehicles per company. If it's five platoons, then it's 20 vehicles per company. Hundreds, 900 armored vehicles, plus an additional 150, stri or 150 strikers and Bradleys. Dear family, No, we're not going there. <sighs> the expected announcement of the new long-range weapons come as, a, as press reports indicate that the Biden administration is discussing openly endorsing a Ukrainian assault on the predominantly Russian-speaking peninsula of Crimea, which Russia has claimed as its territory since 2014. By the way, dear family, if they do back this thing, Ukraine will be attacking overtly attacking with NATO and American backup with our freaking weapon systems an area that as far as Russia is concerned whether you agree with him or not is Russia in an article headlined US warms to helping Ukraine target Crimea the New York Times reports, quote, the Biden administration is finally starting to concede that Kiev may need the power to strike the Russian sanctuary, even if such a move increases the risk of escalation. They also write that the Biden administration is considering what would be one of its boldest moves yet, helping Ukraine to attack the peninsula. The report adds, American officials are discussing with their Ukrainian counterparts the use of American-supplied weapons, from HIMARS rocket systems to Bradley fighting vehicles, to possibly target Mr. Putin's hard-fought control over a land bridge that functions as a critical supply route connecting Crimea to Russia via the Russian-occupied cities of Melitopol and Mariupol. It continues, in deciding to give... Bradley's to Ukraine, the Biden administration moves closer to pro providing Kiev with something for which senior Ukrainian officials have been imploring the U.S. for for months. Direct American help for Ukraine to go on the offensive, including targeting Crimea. If you, if you don't know why I'm agitated and, and, and like this is much more, ugh, 
you have to understand that I've been watching this scenario. And whether or not you, seriously, whether or not you think Russia is telling the truth and that they're winning, or Ukraine is telling the truth and that they're winning, no matter what, this line right here, going after Crimea, do you understand that Crimea is the warm water port that Russia has been needing for its navy? This is not... This is not some minor piece. Crimea is, I don't know, roughly about the, maybe a little bit bigger than the state of Connecticut. Maybe. The peninsula that we're talking about. Oh, Lord have mercy. This is not worth getting into a nuclear war over. Nothing, nothing with Ukraine is worth getting into a nuclear war over. And if you think that they didn't know this ahead of time, I've got another news story coming up right behind this one to say, no, they knew all along. The article quotes Seth G. Jones, a senior vice president at the Center for Strategic and International Studies, as saying, quote, Ukraine could use Bradley's to move forces down major roads, such as the, M- uh, such as the M-14, which connects Kherson, Melitopol, and Mariupol. Any Ukrainian infantry advancing through these areas would face significant fire from Russian positions, and Bradley's offer helpful firepower and protection for troops. They're really not that great, but whatever. They want to do this, let them do this. I'm going to be blunt. If you put a Bradley fighting vehicle, or even a a battalion of Bradley fighting vehicles, against a battalion of Russian T-90s, which is what is on the border right now, that's exactly what they're using... The Bradley fighting vehicles are going to be turned into freaking Swiss cheese. And for our efforts, we're going to end up in a direct conflict. Now, if you're doubting my credibility on this one, understand that I was a Bradley commander for two and a half years. I was a striker commander for another two years. These are weapon systems I am deeply and fundamentally familiar with. They're exceptional weapon systems, but they have their limits. Ukraine does not control the airspace. And oh, hey, by the way, for us to provide them what they need to be able to control the airspace is an overt declaration of war. Because if we were to provide the no-fly zone so that this could just be a ground war between Russia and Ukraine, this will start the open conflict. But a Bradley fighting vehicle cannot go toe-to-toe with anything on the level of the M1A1, the first edition of the Abrams battle tank. They are not capable. It does not matter how many bells and whistles, how many advanced armor systems and advanced weapon systems you put on these things. They cannot go toe to toe with the T90. They can't even really go toe to toe with the T72. And if you're wondering why they're called a T90 and a T72, it's because the T90 was fielded in 1990 and the T72 was fielded in 1972. The Bradley cannot go toe-to-toe with a 50-year-old battle tank, let alone a modern battle tank. And it doesn't matter how many bells and whistles. 
understand that the newest that the newest Bradleys out there, they've got all the bells and whistles, the ablative armor, the the better weapon systems, sight systems, sight uh, thermal sights, vision sights, cameras, and all the whole the whole nine yards, top of the line, top of the freaking line. But that does not stop a 155 millimeter round from punching through that vehicle like it's not there, killing all 12 occupants. 11 occupants, excuse me. Unless you're really savage and you put somebody else in the hellhole. It doesn't even matter if you use the Cav Scout version, which is explicitly a tank killer. They cannot go toe-to-toe. The Striker, for all of its awesomeness, and I love Strikers. I think they're amazing vehicles. They're comfortable. They've got air conditioning. They've got armor, a blade of armor, the whole lot. Like, they've got all of the same bells and whistles. Hardened steel plate. Good good to freaking 14.5 millimeter. Space laminated composite ceramic tile. Ablative armor. Roughly, I don't know, four to six inches thick, depending on whatever it is they're putting on the vehicles these days. Excellent armor protection. They will not sustain a toe-to-toe fight against a main battle tank. And because they and because the Yahoos in the freaking in the Pentagon, understand this, and all of these people who are trying to push all these weapon systems over there understand this. They're like, well, they're not going to be able to stand toe to toe against the main battle tank. I mean, these will go, they'll go great against BTR 60s, BRDMs, etc. They'll go great against those, but they're probably not going to do so hot against the main battle tank. Oh, well, then we'll send main battle tanks too. You morons. Absolute rotten morons. Heavenly Father, have mercy on us. Oh, I'm sorry. You remember that thing I said about going toe-to-toe with main battle tanks? Let's move on to the next paragraph. It adds, quote, The Bradleys, along with British tanks and the armored combat vehicles that France and Germany have agreed to send, could be the vanguard of an armored force that Ukraine could employ in a counteroffensive this winter or spring, government and independent analysts say. In order to hide the massively escalatory character of its planned war with Russia, the Biden administration had not explicitly endorsed Ukrainian plans to conquer Crimea, which is the official war aim of the Zelensky government. Demanding an explicit U.S. endorsement of attacks on Russia, Philip Breedlove's NATO Supreme Allied Commander for Europe told the Times, quote, We have in essence, put limits on Ukraine, saying this war is going to be fought on your soil and not Russian soil. To give Russia sanctuary from which to fight without fear of reproach is absolutely absurd. It makes no military sense. Well, they are correct in that. They are absolutely correct in that. However, comma, pause for dramatic effect, not making Ukraine part of NATO would also not escalate the war and would make perfect military sense. 
Ukraine in Russian means borderland. That's why it is the Ukraine. Because the Ukraine is the borderland of Russia. And I know there's a bunch of people who are all Ukraine stands who want to, who are like, oh, you can't blah, 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 blah. And I don't care. Because culture and heritage and history prove otherwise. Ukraine is Russia's borderland. Kiev and Moscow were sister cities for a thousand years. And nothing you say is going to change that historical fact. Except for some fat, lazy, stupid American general who seems to want to lose himself yet another war now that he's done losing Afghanistan. Oh, speaking of, continuing from the article. On Monday, Mark Milley, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, visited Gra Grafenvir training area in Germany, which began training hundreds of Ukrainian troops on Sunday, including on how to operate NATO armored vehicles. On Tuesday, Milley met in person with General Valery Zaluzhny, the head of the Ukrainian armed forces near the Polish border with Ukraine. On Thursday, General Lloyd Austin will meet with the new German Defense Minister Boris Pistorius to discuss securing Germany's agreement to allow the export of the Leopard 2 main battle tank to Ukraine. Explaining the U.S. demand for sending the Leopard 2, DoD News, the official Pentagon news service, wrote, quote, The most immediately accessible and usable tank capacity or tank capability is the German Leopard 2. The Leopard 2 has digital fire control, laser range finders, a fully stabilized main gun, and advanced night vision and sighting equipment. Its main gun is a 120mm smoothbore and can fire on the move over rough terrain. Like I said, by the way, everything that he said is actually basically true for the M1 Abrams. Everything he said is basically also true for the M1 Abrams. When I said that the Leopard 2 and the, and the Challenger 2 are on par, I wasn't BSing. On Wednesday, Pistorius all but declared that Germany is at war with Russia, saying, quote, The Federal Republic of Germany is involved in a war, indirectly. Close quote. <sighs> okay. Third and final article. Headline. U.S. and NATO to send tanks to fight Russia. Now, understand that this is still coming from the Bolshevik Skelerati Press. This is, um, oh, I forgot the name. It was World Socialist, whatever. I care. I could care less. <clears throat> this is an opinion article, and it's not my opinion. But the synopses made, like the conclusions that he draws about the intent and direction that this is headed, I do concur with that part. But in general, like I said, I don't, I don't, I don't agree with these morons because they're all, they're all degenerate, and sin clouds the intellect. But a sun, the sun shines on a dog's booty once in a while. 
From the article, this week, the United Kingdom and Poland announced they intend to send main battle tanks to fight Russia in Ukraine, opening the way for Germany and the United States to make similar announcements. We just got done talking about theirs. For the first time since Operation Barbarossa 80 years ago, German-made tanks will cross the, Polish bo- cross the Polish border to take part in a shooting war against Russia. This is, without a doubt, the most reckless and escalatory measure taken by the United States and NATO to date. Tanks... Oh, whatever. Tanks are offensive weapons. They're not defensive weapons. Actually, they can be both. Shut up. They're used to break through enemy entrenchments with the aim of capturing territory. No, actually, the infantry captures and holds territory. But whatever. Ukrainian officials have made clear that Western tanks are key to the achievement of their goals in the war, including the the reconquest, I almost actually said that as a reconquista, anyway, of the Crimean Peninsula held by Russia since 2014. The U.S. is training hundreds of Ukrainian forces in armored warfare at its base in Bavaria, and this was the previously aforementioned aforementioned, uh, Grafenvir, carrying out exercises with NATO armored vehicles. The tanks and their crews will leave Germany and enter Ukraine through Poland, where they will be thrown against the Russian front. Modern tanks need vast logistics and networks to arm and support them, yada, yada, yada. A single M1 Abrams tank consumes 80 gallons of fuel per hour when deployed. 60 gallons of fuel per hour when deployed. Yeah, and they've got big, much, much bigger fuel tanks, whatever. They can operate for a good hot minute. Not only the tank, and by the way, they're using the M1 Abrams. I don't know if the Leopards and the Challengers run off of the same engine system, but the M1 Abrams actually has a jet engine. Let me say that again. The M1 Abrams actually is powered by a jet engine. I do not know if the Leopard 2 and the Challenger have the same propulsion system, where their power generation is also from a jet engine. I do not know for sure. If it is not, then 60 gallons of fuel per hour is whatever, because they're not using M1 Abrams tanks, they're using the other ones. And if they're using internal combustion reciprocating engines, diesel engines, and not jet engines, they're not going to run through fuel like that. Anyway, not only the tanks, but their logistics and supply trains will become targets. This is true. Every Leopard 2 tank costs approximately $15 million. I'll take your word for it. The protection of these weapon systems, not to mention the troops that will service and supply them, will become a vital military necessity for NATO. Actually, you should probably rephrase that, because technically that is a vital military necessity for Ukraine, which will be provided by NATO. And that's a different, there's a difference there, but it, there's a difference. And there is a distinction. Does it matter? Probably not. But there is a distinction. There is a distinction. There is a difference. The U.S. and NATO have staked their credibility on the outcome of the war. That's true. Which is ever more explicitly defined as the military defeat and dismemberment of Russia. Also true. The logic of the conflict requires, therefore, an ever greater escalation. In their stupid, pitiful brains, yes, that's also true. And when I say they, in this case, I'm talking about the Pentagon, not these people who are also kind of stupid and pitiful. But you'll see that when we get near the end. With its armored columns and supply lines threatened by Russian weapons and air power, either inside Ukraine or over the Polish border, the creation of a no-fly zone will again be mooted in the American press as a vital necessity to protect the commitment that has already been made. And a no-fly zone would also be an absolute declaration of war. Continuing. This would mean that in the name of defending its military assets, Ukraine and NATO pilots and SAM operators, surface-to-air missile operators, will be engaged in shooting down Russian warplanes, kicking off a direct shooting war between the United States, NATO, and Russia. And this is true. This is the prospect for which the American and European population is being signed up without their knowledge by governments that quote-unquote promised to avoid World War III and nuclear Armageddon. 
And that is also true because they all promise that we're not trying to, we are not trying to get into World War Three. We are only trying to stop Vladimir Putin from his imperialist in- ob- objectives. It's the bullcrap they've been spitting. And it is bullcrap. In an expression of the reckless and provocative character of NATO's actions, the New York Times wrote, over the last few weeks, one barrier after another has fallen as the United States and its allies take on more and more risk to defend Ukraine. In a lead editorial advocating sending main battle tanks to Ukraine, the economist, oh my goodness, the economist. Anyway, the economist wrote, Another worry is that if Russia is pushed too far or too fast, its president, Vladimir Putin, could escalate and in the worst case, even trigger a nuclear war. And these are not baseless fears. By the way, that is still actually quoting the emphasis is mine. The the economist argues for sending tanks despite the danger because, oh my God, the economist. Quote, if Mr. Putin concludes that his nuclear threats won him this victory, it would set a terrible precedent. It adds, yielding to Mr. Putin's nuclear threats today sets up a more perilous standoff for tomorrow. Which is not true. But whatever. Because what is actually true, this is one of the weird things, when you end up on the same... Bro, seriously, I want to tell you that the thing that has been most crazy to me is finding myself looking at world events and agreeing with people who are so opposite and ardently opposed to me. People who I legit would rather burn at the stake. Okay? When you put me on the same side as people whom I, with every sense of the word, would rather burn at the stake, and we're both on the same side of an argument, do you understand how magnificently, incredibly, and monumentally wrong you have to be? Anyway. From the article that's coming from people who I would rather burn at the stake than listen to, but for some weird topsy-turvy clown world reason, I'm on the same side as, for different reasons, but whatever. Quoting, the imperialist war planners assume they can intensify their engagement in the war without a Russian response. But if Washington isn't afraid of the consequences of a nuclear war, why do its war planners seem to think that the Kremlin would be? In fact, The economist's argument applies with greater force to the Russian side than to NATO because it's the Kremlin and not Washington or Berlin that is confronted with the prospect of regime change. If the economist... Hang on, hang on. This statement actually deserves further expansion and clarification because this statement is so ridiculously true. I want you for a moment to pretend... that it's Mexico. We're engaged in a conflict with Mexico because Mexico has been taken over by the former Warsaw Pact. There are Russian tanks, cruise missiles, tomahawks, surface-to-air missiles. There's Russian military over the border in Guatemala that are training the Mexican military in in, in Soviet and former Warsaw Pact equipment. Top-of-the-line equipment, hypersonic missiles, drones, tanks, armored vehicles, guns, missiles, the whole the whole kit and caboodle. And specifically, so that Mexico could say, I don't know, retake Texas. 
But the sword of Damocles that is also hanging over the United States of America, in addition to the Mexican army pushing into the state of Texas, trying to claim Texas, reclaim Texas for itself. In addition to that, there's also the absolute proof that the KGB is operating specifically to topple the presidency of the United States. And I don't even care who the president is. So for those of you who supported Donald Trump, I want you to pretend that Donald Trump is the president. For those of you who support Joe Biden or Barack Obama, whoever it is that is your preferred political candidate, I want you to put them in the White House right now and have them being operated against with the sword of Damocles hanging over their head as Russia attempts to push them out of power specifically not so they could have their preferred candidate, but so that the United States of America could eventually be broken up and brought to heel under Russian hegemony. Because that is what is actually happening in Ukraine and Russia vis-a-vis U.S. and NATO involvement in, in Eastern Europe. That is what is actually the parallel. In the fall of the Soviet Union, the so-called fall of the Soviet Union, the promise made by NATO is that we would not move one inch east of East Germany. So included in that promise was no Lithuania, no Latvia, no Estonia, no Poland, no Ukraine, no Sweden, no Finland, no Norway. Look at the map today. Latvia, Estonia, Lithuania, Poland, all members of Ukraine, Sweden applying for membership, or not all members of NATO, Sweden applying for membership in NATO, Finland applying for membership in NATO, Ukraine trying to become part of NATO. The only thing that runs commensurate to this is if the entire Southern Hemisphere was brought to heel under the communist party in Soviet Russia, and it was everything from Mexico South and Canada, all members of the Warsaw Pact. That is the comparable scenario. And they've already made it clear that they want to put Putin out out. They don't want Vladimir Putin in charge of Russia anymore. And Vladimir Putin, whether you believe the elections are real or not, is de jure the leader of the Russian Federation. Well, he's de facto the leader of Russia. He's, or excuse me, he's de facto the leader of the Russian Federation. He's de jure the, the leader of Russia itself. And that's the guy we want to replace. And the only equivalent to that would be him actively trying to do something to cause an American violent overthrow of your favorite president. So whether it's Trump, Biden, Obama, Clinton, whoever, I don't care. Put them in there. That is the emotional equivalent. And even to the detractors, so let's say it's Donald Trump. I want to ask all of you Trump-deranged morons who always only think in terms of orange man bad. 
Do you really want the American president overthrown so that America can be broken up and taken into co- and taken control of by Russia? Even if it was the orange man, would you be willing to would you be willing to sacrifice the orange man and allow the breakup of the United States so that you could fall under Soviet occupation? Because that is precisely what is actually happening in Ukraine from Russian pers- from the Russian perspective. The Warsaw Pact didn't grow. Okay? The Warsaw Pact didn't push Poland and then Germany and then Italy and Spain and France. The Warsaw Pact did not take Mexico and Guatemala and Canada. But NATO does include all of them. For those of you who don't own a map, I highly recommend that you get one. And I want you to look at the NATO allies and then look at where Ukraine is relative to Russia and you tell me that this isn't somehow justified. Continuing from the article. If the Economist editorial board were on the Russian side, what would it be saying? If NATO concludes that the military escalation wanted a victory, it would set a terrible precedent. After all, yielding to NATO's escalation today sets up a more perilous standoff for tomorrow. This, in other words, is an argument for Russia to respond to NATO's escalation by launching an attack on NATO or a nuclear attack on Ukrainian forces. The more the U.S. and NATO escalate, the less reason for Russia to avoid escalating. During the Cold War, virtually the entire U.S. political establishment, with the exception of the lunatic fringe, by the way, this is, a, you remember when I said that the psychopathy, the, the degeneracy, and, the moro- and, and just the absolute moronic conclusions, we've reached that part, even though the argument that they're making is still valid. So picking back up from the beginning of this paragraph. During the Cold War, virtually the entire U.S. political establishment, with the exception of the lunatic fringe of the Republican Party, accepted the doctrine of mutually assured destruction. By the way, the lunatic fringe was not actually Republican or Democrat, but both. Ronald Reagan was not on the lunatic fringe of the Republican Party. Jimmy Carter was on the doofus fringe of the Democrat Party. Richard Nixon did not want a nuclear war. I don't know who these extreme lunatic fringe of the Republican Party is, but there's nobody who wanted a nuclear war with Russia. The doctrine of mutually assured destruction was a very good doctrine. It was understanding that we're going to annihilate each other, and so it's better to not. This doctrine held that certain actions were impermissible for the United States because of the risk of provoking a nuclear response from the Soviet Union was an unacceptable threat. And vice versa. It's the reason why they had the red phone in the first place. Now, the mantra in every major newspaper is that NATO and the United States cannot be deterred from carrying out policies that could lead to nuclear war. It's like saying that one should not be deterred from jumping out of a building by the thought of hitting the ground. Washington's entire strategy is irrational, like all plans for world conquest in the past. But this irrational policy is driven by social and economic interests. And 
Ironically enough, those social and economic interests do not include the social the social or economic benefit of the respective people in any of these countries. The more the present global conflict develops, the clearer the fact that this war, like the two world wars of the 20th century, can be understood not by who fired the first shot, but, but by much deeper social causes. Keep in mind that the other part, the other reason why Russia's pushing back is because we promote degeneracy. All of the Skeletati policies, the rainbow people, the pedo people, the abortion people, that's all American. That's all the crap, like the, the tranny crap, that's all American. That ain't coming from anywhere other than the United States. And it actually got so bad that even France, who, like no joke, were the sexual degenerates for most of the 20th century. I mean, let's not forget that the Marquis de Sade was French and is where we get the phrase sadism. And sadism in that particular manner actually always meant a sexual sadism. Like the degeneracy that used to be exported from France is now actually being exported from the United States. And that plays a factor as well. Continuing from the article, the reactionary Russian invasion of Ukraine was provoked with the aim of instigating a conflict that would lead to the dismemberment of Russia. Beyond naked geopolitical interests, the American ruling class, and even, and actually in that, the entire World Economic Forum, and all of the global world leaders, and all of the EU, and all of those people with these weird funny accents who are all 80 years old wearing the very nice suits talking about the Great Reset, all those people, well, some of, about half, <laughs> confronts an array of economic, social, and political crises that they caused, for which they have no solution except to cause more. It believes that through a desperate gambit to conquer Russia, it can somehow stave off the crisis gripping American social and political life. I don't even think they're trying to stave off the process. I actually think they're just moving to destroy. That's it. And even as it escalates the war in Europe, the United States is turning the Pacific Ocean into a tinderbox, supporting the rearmament of Japan and the arming of Taiwan in preparation for a conflict with China. Now, Japan wants to rearm? I'm okay with that. But maybe we don't give China all of our manufacturing, force the most high-tech manufacturing, the microchip manufacturing, over into Taiwan, which is literally the island like 100 miles away from the mainland of China, which is actually, as far as China's concerned, part of China. I mean, granted, the tables are actually turned there. Taiwan actually owns China because that's because the Taiwanese government is actually the government in exile from China in the aftermath of the Chinese Communist Revolution, the Maoist Revolution. I know they don't teach all of these things in, in, in school. I know a lot of people, like most of the places I've named, you probably couldn't even find them on a map. Most people. I don't mean you in particular. Don't, you know, you know cool your heels there. But the vast majority of people who are, who, even people who are listening to this, I don't know necessarily, I can't guarantee that you can point out where these locations are on a map. I don't think you understand the geopolitical, the historical consequences of some of the stuff that we're doing. We don't ever talk about it. 
Because, you know, we're, I mean, as Catholics, we're too busy looking at what's going wrong in Rome. And as Americans, we're too busy looking at what's going wrong in our own country. Who cares about what's going on in Ukraine? Which should have been the way things were. However, it would seem that all of the people who have the most monetary benefit to this, who are absolutely hell-bent on actually starting this Third World War, they don't seem to give not one flip. Which is dumb. The plans for this global confl conflagration are being hatched behind the backs of, <laughs> of the people. Okay, this is, you, you know, those times when you look and you're like, dude, seriously, shut up. It's actually all the people. <clears throat> this is actually the way the sentence was phrased. The plans for this global conflagration are being hatched behind the backs of the working class of the United States and the entire world. Actually, it's just everybody who's not in the club. You could be working class... This is happening behind the backs of Wall Street bankers. Okay? Wall Street bankers have no idea that this is going on. I've got family that are banks that that are in in the finance industry. They're not working class by any stretch of the imagination. They are whiter than they're whiter than the whitest white collar. And it's happening behind their backs too. And this is one of the things that I really hate about these scalarati. Is they always, they're, uh, but just, and they're talking about the working class like they're working class. Give me a break, dude. Get off your video games and get a real job. Anyway, the U.S. and NATO powers are lying about their intentions and hiding the consequences of their actions. True. This conspiracy extends to every major political party, <laughs> every major political party in the United States and Europe. True. All of which have lined up behind the war effort. True. None of them is saying clearly what the consequences will be and how many millions of lives they are prepared to sacrifice. True. The rapid escalation of the war in the first two weeks of the, of the new year confirms the warnings made by the international youth and students for so... Oh my goodness. This is the other reason why I don't like bullshit. You couldn't come up with a shorter name than the international youth and students for social equality? Like, duh. Gay? Anyway. <clears throat> Moving on, because that's... <sighs> if you want a catchphrase, it's supposed to be quick. Anyway, in his concluding remarks to the rally, uh, WWS, WSWS International uh, Editorial Board Chairman David North explained, the outcome of this process, unless stopped by the... Unless stopped, will be a global... <laughs> Idiots, I hate, I hate socialists so bad. You were some pimple-faced, nose-ringed, purple-haired idiot who's never held a real job in your life and you're talking about the working class. Shut up! Anyway. The outcome of this process, unless stopped, will be a global cataclysm on a scale that dwarfs the violence of the past. Since the outbreak of the war, the potential use of nuclear weapons has been normalized in the political discourse. True. The situation cannot be left at the hands of the ruling elite. See, again, these are retards. Capitalist ruling elites. And their political parties. If the, cat, if the, if the catastrophe is to be averted, the people ought intervene. The working class must intervene. Oh my God, I hate these people. And it's the working class. You've never worked a day in your life. You don't know what working class is. Every last one of these socialist idiots has never actually held a real job. They've been organizers. 
They go to college. They get mobilized. It's all about youth action. None of these idiots know how to knows how to change the oil in their car. I'm not even jo- and I'm not joking when I say this is one of the it's one of the reasons why I really hate even looking in their direction because they're morons. Every last one of them. None of these people have held a real job. You've never worked on a car, built a house, built an airplane, fixed an airplane, worked on boats. Hell, you probably never mowed a lawn talking about working class. Shut your pie hole. You know how I can tell? Because these people all spend their spend too much time running their mouths. The cost of going to an alternative news source to find actual news and realizing it's from people you hate. Like I said, I'd rather burn these people at the stake. Oh. Whew. Woosa. Woosa. All right. For those of you who thought that this just happened, like people were just waking up to this, 13 October 2022, so this would be about two, three months ago. Headline, same idiot website. I wouldn't be covering this if it wasn't true, and I wouldn't be all pulling it from a bunch of morons who I'd much rather burn at the stake if it wasn't for the fact that what they're actually talking about, the mechanisms that they're talking about, is the only freaking place where I can find people talking about it. And actually, and have an opportunity to really kind of peel this apart and dive deep. I will tell you that the stuff that I've actually spoken about, these are details that I did not have, where I kind of knew it was going on, but I did not actually have the details in there to really kind of peel it apart. As you've seen so far, as we continue, and this is a fourth news article, this is actually all a World War III special, coming straight out of the mouth of a whole bunch of scelerati, but still covering something that is actually happening. At the end of this article, we're going to talk about some things that we really ought to be doing for a genuine preparation on the off on the off chance that this does actually spin off the wheels and or spin off spin off the rails and actually end up in nuclear Armageddon. However, <clears throat> for those of you who thought that this was a new development, White House draws up blueprint for World War III. Less than one week after President Joe Biden warned that the U.S. conflict with Russia could trigger nuclear Armageddon, the White House published a national security sp- <clears throat> excuse me the White House published a national security strategy, pledging to win American global hegemony through military violence. The document pledged to expand the U.S. military, integrate economic life with war-making, and win the competition for the 21st century in what it called the decisive decade. Embracing in all fundamentals the 2018 National Security Strategy published by Donald Trump, by the way, you could call Trump a lot of things, but what they call him in this is a fascist would-be dictator, and that's just stupid. Biden's national security strategy affirms that the United States is locked in an existential conflict with Russia and, most of all, China. We are now in the early years of a decisive decade for America and the world, declares Biden's personal introduction to the document. 
<clears throat> it's not his personal introduction. He couldn't even string that sentence together, but whatever. The terms of geopolitical competition... Oh, he definitely couldn't use that sentence. The terms of geopolitical competition between the major powers will be set. These opening remarks echo Biden's declaration in March that the world is on the brink of a new world order and that we've got to lead it. Biden's strategy, like Trump's 2018 national security strategy, is violently nationalistic. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Declaring that the United States acts not in the interests of humanity or of its allies, but fundamentally to pervert to preserve its selfish interests. If only. <sighs> anyway. Our strategy is rooted in our national interests. Which is such a lie. Biden declares. Our military power continues to grow. <laughs> if by grow you mean grow hair, well, grow hair in some places, shave off hair in other places, and cut off body parts in third places, then yes, it, it does continue to grow. <clears throat> modernize and uh, pledge, uh, the document menaces, mo pledging to modernize and strengthen our military so it is equipped for the era of strategic competition. I wonder how you're going to do that when you're putting uh, most of your special forces people in dresses. Anyway. For these reasons, the document threatens, nations are seeing once again why it's never a good bet to bet against the United States of America. Okay, that was probably actually written by Biden, because this is one of the dumbest sentences ever. Nuclear deterrence remains a top priority for the nation. That's a lie. And, it's, and is foundational to the United States strategy, the document asserts. War, Biden says in his introduction, will be a source of national rejuvenation. Quote, the United States has a tradition of transforming foreign challenges into opportunities to spur rejuvenation at home. The document sets forth the concept of integrated deterrence, developing key concepts. Okay, let's be real. This isn't developing anything from Trump which pledged that long-term strategic competition requires a seamless integration of multiple elements of national power, diplomacy, information, economics, finance, intelligence, law enforcement, and military. Similarly, the new national security strategy declares, quote, we will leverage all elements of our national power to outcompete our strategic competitors. I don't even want to go into that sentence. It adds, our national defense strategy relies on integrated deterrence, the seamless combination of capabilities to convince potential adversaries that the costs of their hostile activities outweigh their benefits. It entails integration across domains, recognizing our competitor strategies operate across military and non-military, that's to say economic, technological, and informational domains, and we must too. In perhaps the most chilling passage, the White House's fact sheet on the document declares the Biden-Harris administration has broken down the dividing line between domestic and foreign policy. So now that's actually really, really terrifying. Because if they're breaking, if this foreign policy, because policy in Ukraine is de facto and de jure foreign, if foreign policy in Ukraine is now actually seamlessly integrated with domestic policy, then we now understand that the domestic policy is that the United States becomes a full-fledged functionary of promoting, profligating, 
and proliferating war and war weapons. That's it. That is literally our new thing. It is the new thing that America is now simply the gun shop and Mercs for Hire department store of the world. These concepts pioneered under the Trump administration, which totally, again, if you looked at the Trump administration's foreign policy, was totally not the same as this. So I don't know why this is, I don't know why they keep putting Donald Trump in this, but whatever. Oh, I know why. Check it out, because these concepts pioneered under the Trump administration, which openly drew inspiration from the Third Reich. Gotta get the, Trump's a Nazi. Whatever. Echo the infamous Total War Manifesto manifesto of Alfred Jodl, the chief of German high command during World War II, which declared only the singleness and unity of state, armed forces, and people can assure success in the war. I got to tell you that if this this is actually, you know, some of the draw, then I'm going to go ahead and say right now we're going to lose because they lost and we're just as dumb, apparently. Sorry about that. It just occurred to me, I've been talking actually for close to two hours. (laughs) And it's starting to wear down me. Wear on me. No, the podcast is only coming up on an hour and a half. But there was 30 minutes before this that ended up not getting included. Noting the continuity with Trump's fascist America First ideology. Shut up. You people don't even know what fascism is. New York Times reporter David Sanger observed the president took some unusual positions, especially for a Democrat. He noted that he took a dark view of the benefits of globalization, describing at length how it has fueled pandemics and disinformation and contributed to supply chain shortages. The central target of the United States is China. China. The document asserts we will effectively compete with the People's Republic of China, By the way, Republic, Res Publica, so the Publicas Res Publica of China, anyway, which is the only competitor with both intent and increasingly the capacity to reshape the international order. Yeah, whose fault is that, you dumbasses? So single-minded is the focus on China that the war in Ukraine is not mentioned a single time in the White House's fact sheet, despite the Biden administration's claims that the world would bloom like a garden were it not for Russian President Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine. Yeah, whatever. The strategy does not predicate the U.S. military buildup and preparations for war on the actions of the Russian president. Rather, the U.S. struggle to win the 21st century is predicated on the fact that the post-Cold War era is definitively over and competition is underway between the major powers to shape what comes next. Even as the national security strategy sets its sights on China, the U.S. continued to massively escalate the war with Russia. Speaking at a meeting of the U.S.-led Ukraine Defense Contact Group, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin made clear that the U.S. had instruction, instructed its Ukrainian proxy forces to continue their offensive through the winter. Quote, I expect that Ukraine will continue to do everything it can throughout the winter to regain its territory and be effective on the battlefield. And we're going to do everything we can to make sure they have what's required to be effective. Close quote. 
Ahead of this week's NATO summit, NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg made clear that the U.S. and its allies will respond to Russia's threats to use nuclear weapons in the conflict with its own nuclear saber-rattling. Stoltenberg announced, next week NATO will hold its long-planned deterrence exercise steadfast noon, announcing his intention to launch a training mission for nuclear-capable bombers in southern Europe. Under the conditions in which Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky called on NATO to wage preemptive strikes on Russia and Russia has threatened to use nuclear weapons in Ukraine, the NATO training exercise threatens to further escalate the war. Viewing the present conflict within the context of Biden's national security strategy, it is clear that the strategists of U.S. imperialism see the war in Ukraine, horrific and bloody as it is, as just the opening skirmish of an even greater and more disastrous global conflict. For those of you who didn't think that they knew, they've known all along. So what can we do? Well, we're Catholic. So that means First and foremost, go to confession. Get into a state of grace. Does it really matter if this ends up going the worst possible way that you went out and got married and had lots and lots and lots and lots of babies? Long run, materially speaking, no. Long run, eternal run, long run, yes. Let me say that again. We're on the brink of World War III. Even if we end up in World War III, even if that goes all the way to nuclear Armageddon, you're going to want to have kids. Lots and lots of kids. You may not have all that much time. Most people, like no joke, if this ends up in a war this year and you haven't had kids, you need to have a baby. Shack up. Get married, well, shack up, well, get married, shack up, have kids. Pretend you're going to be here for an eternity because if you decide to wait, something untoward may happen and you won't have the kids on the backside. And it might not actually be the end of everything. And our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ might not actually be ready to actually draw the curtain back and say, hey, I'm back in 2024. And it might not be for like another 30, 40, 50 years. Now, admittedly, do I think that that's actually the case? No, I don't. I actually, I actually do, be, do believe that come the close of 2023 or near the middle of 2024, we're going to get our butts rocked, particularly the United States of America. We're going to get pounded like that one nail that just won't go down. I actually had another analogy for that, but I decided this is a Catholic program and I'm not going to say that. <clears throat> but you understand what I mean. If you think these people didn't know what they were doing, you're mistaken. At best, you're mistaken. At worst, you're stupid. At even worse than that, you're probably lying. They knew this was going to happen. They knew this was the end game. They knew this is where they were headed. So you, as a Catholic, now have an obligation to work, fast, pray, and don't worry. What? Did he just say work fast, pray, and don't worry? Yes. Because at the end of the day, here's what matters. 
You need to be in a state of grace. You need to be doing penance. You need to be self-mortifying. You need to try to take the feeble amount of time that we, the minimal amount of time that we have left and do everything that you can to become a heroic Catholic for you, your spouse, and your kids. And you need to do this not because you're whistling past the graveyard, but because if it doesn't happen and you waste the next two, three years not having kids, not living a virtuous life, not being a heroic Catholic, don't you think God's going to call you on that? Because let's say for a moment, everybody calms down, cools out, or whatever. We get a global we get a global financial collapse before anybody can launch Missile One. Well, now what? Now you don't have kids. You're not being good parents. You're not being faithful. You're not in a state of grace. You're still eventually going to die anyway. So whether you go out in a nuclear ball of fire or you live to be 118 really doesn't make a lick of difference. It literally doesn't mean anything. This is the whole point. Why did I spend an hour and a half telling you all of these stories to outline the fact that we are pretty much on the brink of nuclear Armageddon if all I was going to do was to tell you to live your life continually as a Catholic the way you have been, or if you haven't been all that good a Catholic, to live your life as a faithful, heroic Catholic, pretending like nothing else is going on. No, you're not pretending like nothing else is going on. What you are actually doing is confirming that, yes, you too, mortal man, will die. changes nothing. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. We're talking about nuclear war. You're not even guaranteed to wake up in the morning. Forget forget about the nuclear bombs not going off for another year to two years. Forget about us going to nu- going to World War III before and having some time to fight that one out before crap really gets bad. It doesn't matter. You could be walking into the bathroom today, going to turn on the shower, slip, fall, break your neck, die. What did your death have to do with the second coming of Christ? What did your death have to do with the, with Armageddon? Nothing. Nothing. You could be going. You could be getting ready for work. Going to getting. You know. You walk to your. You walk out to your car. You start the car. You 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 know. You're pulling out of the driveway and bam! You get run over by a runaway tractor trailer who's speeding way too fast. You're immediately killed on impact. Well, weird. Weren't you about to die in a nuclear Armageddon? Oh wait, does that actually matter when you're already dead? Capiche? Why did I spend an hour and a half telling you all of these horrifying stories of what the elites in America and around the world are doing if we weren't supposed to do something about it? No, I'm telling you these things because you have responsibilities and obligations that have nothing to do with the war in Ukraine. They have nothing to do with responding to a nuclear threat. They have nothing to do with famine, the World Economic Forum, the collapse of the American economy, the destruction of the housing market, people losing their jobs, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria has nothing to do with any of that. Your life as a Catholic, as a Christian, as a faithful member of the body of Christ Your obligations are the same. They're exactly the same. If we're going to war tomorrow, 
or we've got another 50 years of peace. You, dear family, you, holy brother, have the same obligation in war, in peace, in sickness, in famine, in prosperity. Your obligation doesn't change. Weird. I mean, like, no joke. I'm sure... I'm sure you thought there was another point to me going over war, 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 war. Yes, I'm appalled. I'm horrified and I'm infuriated at some of the dumbass decisions that are being made by people who are in charge of all of these organizations. Yes. It's easy to get agitated at all of this stuff. But this isn't really a story about hope beyond the fact that none of none of that actually matters. If Joe Biden starts a nuclear war and Washington DC gets vaporized and he's killed in a nuclear fireball, he's still dead. And whatever the condition of his soul is is going to be the condition of his is going to be the condition of his soul when his body evaporates into dust. So whether he actually repents and starts acting like a real Catholic, or he continues down this satanic path of degeneracy and skelerate living, is immaterial. Because he's going to do what he's going to do. He could live another 30 seconds. He could live another 30 years. It's unlikely that he's going to live another 30 years because his decrepit old ass is going to die soon anyway, no matter what. But what he chooses to do between now and, de- and then is, is a matter of his soul. I would like him to repent and believe in the gospel. I would like for him to quit advocating for the slaughter and a complete holocaust of millions and millions of unborn and and newborn babies. Make no mistake about it, though, they want to kill the newborns too. I would prefer that he and his ilk stop pushing crap like euthanasia. It is still murder. Oh, well, he was suicidal, so we just went ahead and let him die. He was suicidal, so you killed him. What? You degenerate skeleratus. Shut your pie hole. Repent and believe in the gospel. And if you're not going to repent and believe in the gospel, then here's a dice steak that I'm going to tie you to, pour gasoline on you, and light you on fire. Why? Because this fire is going to be less intense than what you're about to experience. But maybe... While you're burning, God will offer you the grace to save your soul. Maybe. Non-zero chance. I mean, it's close to zero, but it's not zero. But whether or not they repent and believe in the gospel or not, whether they start a war or not, 
whether they shut down America's prosperity by shutting everything down and causing everything in our economy to come to a grinding halt and, and millions and millions, actually approximately 150 million people to starve to death. And by the way, for those of you who doubt those numbers, it is approximately 150 million people after the first year. Once the electricity, once the power grid basically nationwide is shut down, 150 million people will starve in a year. You thought climate change was a problem? Oh no, that's a real problem. Let's be blunt, nuclear war far more imminent than climate change. If we get vaporized in a ball of nuclear flame, it is going to happen a whole lot quicker than we're going to have to worry about two more degrees on the global climate model. And even if they do it, or don't, none of that matters. King Louis IX, Saint King Louis IX, could once again rise up to, to lead Christendom. To restore Christendom. We could get a holy pope. And when I say holy pope, I mean like a really holy pope. Gregory the Great. Pius X. A really, truly awesome pope. Means nothing. Or we could keep the anti-pope that we have now. Means nothing. And that's actually the point of all of this. It's the reason why, and it's also the reason why I hate it from the title. The title just says war news. The whole point of the gospel is that it doesn't matter how much war news you hear. You live your life. You carry forward. Yes, you prepare for the economic collapse that's coming. Yes, you hunker down, you brace yourself, because we are fitting to get bent over the table and rammed harder than anyone has ever been. Harder than, harder than the citizens of Sodom wanted to do to the angels of the Lord. Okay? We are fitting to get rammed harder than that. That's going to happen. We've, we're, we're on our way down that path regardless. As for you, if you really want to be doing your job, you will do the same thing I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to amass wealth. I'm not trying to store food. I'm, I mean, you know, I've got some food storage and I've got a little bit put away. And I've got some resources taken care of to make sure that, you know, things, if they get rocky, okay, I might be able to handle it a little, a little bit better than a lot of people. But I'm not changing anything in my life except prayer, fasting, penance. Both to make sure that my own ledger stays as clean as possible and to offer up whatever extra there is, which actually it's that I want the extra and they can get the larger portion, but to offer up whatever else there is for souls in purgatory so that people on this earth can get the grace that they need to come to Christ, to be converted, to repent and believe in the gospel so that they have, an, a, chance, so that they have a chance at eternal salvation. And in point of fact, even if the world wasn't going to hell in a handbasket, even if all of these things weren't coming off the rails, even if we didn't have what basically amounts to an antipope, even if, like, even if none of this was going on the way it is, I would still be doing this. Both for my own salvation 
and for the greater glory of God, ad maiorum dei gloriam. Which is what we're called to do anyway. That, that is the point. That's the point of spending an hour and a half talking about war and rumors of war. Because none of that matters. You die in a ball of nuclear fire, it doesn't matter that you died in a ball of nuclear fire. What matters is what was the state of your soul before your body got vaporized? Because you have, from when you see the light to when your body is now no longer constituent, to get right. There's about a millisecond of bright light, depending on how close you are. You might have a little bit of lead time. You might only have to deal with radiation poisoning. But if you're near one of those epicenters, you got a millisecond of bright light, and then you're poof. And I'm reasonably certain that that's going to be too late. If you haven't repented, if you haven't moved in that direction, if you haven't been doing the right thing, by the time you get there, it's too late. The likelihood that God's going to offer you the grace of final penitence I mean, you may get some because a member of your family is really, really devoted to the Blessed Mother and the Blessed Mother's really not about to leave one, you know, let one of her promises go unfulfilled. But if you're counting on that in a world where, where 70% of Catholics don't even hardly spend any time with the Blessed Mother, they're not interested in going in front of the Blessed Sacrament. Heck, they won't even get on their knees to receive our Lord. They don't believe in the real presence. They're, they, you know, for them, it's just another you know, social group like the American Red Cross or whatever. I mean, aftermath of the Second Vatican Council, we like to canonize people when they die and talk about how great of a person they were. When we should be praying for their souls, making sure that they get their butts into heaven. That's really the biggest issue. That's the problem. We don't spend nearly enough time considering the fact that when we die, that's it. That's all she wrote. That's it. And either what you did in this life was worthy of the book of life, which is probably very unlikely, or you did, or what's written in the book of the damned is actually, you know, because let's be real. More often than not, most of us are more likely to put a whole lot more writing in the book of the damned than we are to put in the book of life. It's just our nature. It's why we need grace. It's why we need forgiveness. It's why we need the sacraments. That's why we need Holy Mother Church. That's why we need our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's why we need to appeal to Christ's mother because she is the one who has direct access to the mercy because it wasn't Paul who said, do whatever he tells you. It was Mary who said, do whatever he tells you. It was Mary who went up to, to Jesus when the couple ran out of wine and said, hey, it's time for you to be you, son. It's time for you to actually show your glory and move out into the world and actually start, start saving people and doing, the, doing your thing. You are the son of God. It's now time for you to do your mission. For those of you prots out there who are like, oh my goodness, this sounds blasphemous. Remember that in the gospel, 
from when Jesus was found in the temple, from that point until do whatever he tells you, Christ, according to the gospel, was subject to Mary and Joseph. It's written in sacred scripture. You can miss it because it's easy to miss. The same way she said, Fiat mihi secundum verbum tuum, to the archangel Gabriel, be it done unto me according to your word, giving her consent for God to choose her to be his mother, is the exact same way she gave her consent for Christ to begin his public ministry that would lead ultimately to his crucifixion, death, and resurrection. You doubt it? Look back in Luke chapter 1. Prophecy of Simeon, and a sword will pierce your heart. Simeon told her everything. That stupid Protestant song, Mary, did you know? Yes, she bloody well knew. It's through her you're going to gain access to Christ's mercy. Don't get me wrong. You can fall at Christ's feet on your own. But she did say, do whatever he tells you. And that wasn't just to the servants. That's also to us. And if you doubt it, then you can go ahead and fast forward to the end where he says, go forth and teach all nations, baptizing them, teach, go forth, baptize all nations in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost and teach them everything that I've commanded you. It's the same way. <clears throat> and there's a whole bunch of other stuff we can go through, noodling all that out or whatever. <clears throat> I'll save that for another podcast, maybe. Actually, I mean, I talk about it enough. It'll come. It'll come up again. We can ex- we can explore some of the other stuff. But those are the basics. Those are the intros. Those are what we should be doing preparing for, learning about in anticipation of a nuclear holocaust, in anticipation of a nuclear Armageddon, in anticipation of an economic meltdown. (laughs) Really doesn't matter. Hey, these are the things we should be doing in anticipation of the greatest prosperity ever to hit the human race ever. Weird. It's the same thing you should be doing, no matter what. Oh, the world's about to end. Repent and believe the gospel. Oh, everything's going great. Repent and believe in the gospel. Weird how the message stays the same, no matter what. It's almost like it's eternal. And I think we tend to forget that. Anyway, I've beaten that that horse pretty well dead. So, I'm just going to go ahead and remind you, Holy Face Medals. Holy Face Medals. Available. As far as I know, until they run out, I have not been contacted to find to to uh, know whether or not sh- whether or not they've uh, she's run out but holy face medals can be- oh wow my computer's just uh, f- well forget about it anyway m i c h 
E-L-L-E-N-G at fide.email. And that's how you know she's Catholic because she's using a Catholic email service, a secure Catholic email service. She hasn't messaged me yet to, to let me know that she's run out, so I'm assuming she still has them. If you want them, you can email her directly. Let her know if you want one or two. She'll let you know, you know, the contact address and all that other stuff. She is doing this of her she is doing this out of the out of the generosity of her heart. As far as I know, she's paying for the she like she's covering all everything. I like she sent me a holy face medal, which I deeply appreciate. Thank you very much once again. Um, no cost. She has the medals. They've been blessed. They're excellent sacramentals. You get this little golden medal, a beautiful pamphlet with with a breakdown of some of, of some of the devotions to the Holy Face. I mean, it's not like it's not as big and as ordealed as like the big manual that you get from the Holy Face Confraternity. But medals of the Holy Face, the one of the devotion to Christ's Holy Face is a weapon against communism. It's one of the reasons why I open with exurgat Deus et discipentur inimici eius. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. Let all those who hate him flee from before his face. This is a weapon. It's actually part of the prayer of the Holy Face Chaplet. So you can contact her for that. Remember that you can still actually email the show. You can email me, Caleb, at RadioFreeCatholic.com. Um, I do my best to answer all my emails. Lately, it's been mostly emails from, you know, well, standard email stuff. I tried to actually keep it somewhat clean, but some of my banking stuff I prefer to do under email, and a lot of the emails I've gotten are from that. But I do occasionally get emails from listeners. I've got one more I've actually got to read that I got this morning, so I'll be diving into that one. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, if you have questions... If you want to know where some of these sources are, if you really want to put yourself through the filth of reading a Bolshevik newspaper, I can give you links for them. And you can email me. You can contact me through the website, RadioFreeCatholic.com. There's a contact, and just you know, fill out the little email thing, and I will get the email. If I get your email, I will respond. It's that simple. Sometimes it takes me a couple of days. I had one email. It took me a little bit longer because it was complex, and there were a lot of stuff talked about, and I really wanted to give... A, a holistic answer, like a, a an all-encompassing answer to everything that was in there. So it took me a couple of days to respond, but in general, you email me, I will I will message you right back. You want to find me on Twitter? I'm at mighty colibri m i g h t y c o l i b r i. You can find me at sp three r n at Caleb the Mechanic. Um, I did actually go through the trouble of getting blue checked in both of them, so it is me. You see Caleb the Mechanic at Radio Free Catholic on Twitter? That is me. That's my account. It's the same account. It's an unchanged username since pretty much since the beginning. And if you want to deep, if you, let's be real. If you want to find the deep, dark, dirty secrets, my early, tw- I haven't deleted anything off of Twitter. So if you were to go back to the beginning of my time on Twitter, you'll find exactly how stupid I was and how degenerate I was at the beginning. It's there. I'm not deleting it. I'm not getting rid of it. You know, I'm not going to say that I'm not ashamed of my past, but I'm not going to hide from my past like, like you know, some coward. My past is my past. Where I'm at now, not where I was then. So, you know, whatevs. 
Anyway, all in all, you can also choose to support the show. The two links will be in the description. If you want, I can send me a message. I'll give, I'll give you the my um, Venmo handle, you know, if you want to do that route or whatever. If you want. I do this as a passion project. It's my, like I do this pretty much as my hobby and to kind of make sure that people have as much information as possible. And like the whole point behind this is to give you access to the battlefield so that you understand what your options are. It's the whole point. The world was going to, the, to hell in a handbasket and I realized that there was just a lot of stuff that got left behind. That's it. So if you want to support the show, you can. I don't have a Patreon set up or anything like that. I don't do all that. If you want to contribute monthly, the monthly contribution is set at one level. A dollar a month. That's it. If you want to donate more, you can do that with a one-time donation or whatever. We can work out, you know, like I said, you can contact me if you want to do something. We can set up we can set up a monthly thing if you want. But I'm not in it for the money. It's that simple. I have a job. I am actually a mechanic. <clears throat> so, anyway. All of that self shameless self-promotion crap out of the way. Like I said before, like I say repeatedly, pray for the church. Pray for our nation. And pray for us in Catholic social media. Because like I enumerated in previous episodes, it is very easy for us to go off the rails. We need your prayers just as much as, I mean, probably more than the hierarchy because we don't have the grace of being part of the hierarchy, the graces that come with the office. So we probably actually need your prayers more than them. I'll leave that to you to decide. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic in the longest single episode ever. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. In nomine Patris et Fili et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.